building on a full and accurate truth concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the scriptures speak. This is the Relentlessly Biblical Podcast. Welcome, everyone, back to our podcast. I am Alexander Ortiz. I'm here with Christian Lopez. What's up? What up, Christian? How you been? Been good. Been good. I'm excited about this episode. The topic is salvation, and it's going to be the topic for the next couple of episodes to give you a little upfront information. This particular episode, number six, will be about salvation, our house on a rock and not sand. And that'll come into view and come into more sharper focus as we move to the scripture that we're going to focus on today. And this really comes out of um, a request that we got. One of our listeners and supporters actually was talking to us about some frustration that she had about, hey, what is it? You guys should do a podcast on people and salvation because I don't think people understand. There's a lot of people that seem like they're saved, but they're not really acting like they're saved, and, and it's hard to discern. And it's funny because Christian and I were both together when we heard that comment, and we're like, wow, this is exactly one of the topics that we wanted to tackle. Yeah. It's not an easy one to tackle, but man, is it something that's very common, right? You know that we see in the faith, and I'm sure Christian, you've seen it, yeah, as well too. I mean, how many people do you bring to the faith that that you wonder whether they got it or not? Mm-hmm. You know, so something that 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 in my mind, the scriptures are very clear, and to me is very apparent is just exactly what salvation is. Right. So our goal is for this podcast to make that super clear. And the way we're going to do that is that we're going to go right into Matthew. And the text for the that's going to be at the core teaching of, of what we're going to cover in this podcast is really Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through the tw- 29. Verses 13 through 29. It's part of a larger um, sermon that the Lord gave early on in his ministry. It's actually part of the Sermon on the Mount. Yes, chapter, Matthew chapter 5 through 7 really is a Sermon on the Mount. It's, in Matthew, it's the first sermon that Jesus delivers. He was bringing his message throughout the land. But for the most part, it's really not only the first sermon in Matthew and probably even in his ministry, but it's one of the longest, yeah. certainly, in the New Testament. Um, and there's a lot there. We're not going to cover all of it. We may touch on some of it. But really, I wanted to attack those verses, 13 through 29. And it's important that we cover this message, Christian, because, I mean, this topic and get the message across to people that, you know, believers who claim to be believers, okay, are really not manifesting the evidence of a changed life. I mean, what is salvation? I mean, we have already done, this is episode six, we've done five episodes, and I'm I'm thankful that the earlier episodes especially have been really the core of what the Christian message is, the gospel, right? Right. We covered in episode two what the gospel is with the conversation of Nicodemus. Yeah, that's very important. Okay, and, and the Bible teaches very clearly. Okay, that you know it's it's about justification. Okay, and it's being justified by what Christ did on the cross. We're justified 
because of our sins, okay, are taken by him on a cross, we were therefore justified and his righteousness comes becomes our righteousness, mm-hmm. right? And then there's a sanctification process when when you accept and you become a born again, like we taught in episode two, when you become a born again, okay, then you're sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And we covered that in episode five. So all those episodes are there, folks. I mean, there's a lot of teaching there and a lot of you guys have been listening to it. I know that, but it, it's all basic stuff that I know I even find myself going back to. So you've got justification, sanctification, and ultimately when we go to be with the Lord is gonna be glorification, a future mm-hmm. glorification as well too. And that's really the heart of of what this what salvation is. Yeah. Okay. But I want to go to the text here because this is where the lesson is, and it's right from Jesus's mouth. And, and this is something that I'm sure all of you out there can relate to. Okay. There's people that come into the church, they make a profession of faith, and next thing you know, they just disappear. Yeah. You know. And I can tell you, being a pastor and starting several churches. Uh, bilingual churches, so I've seen it in both languages. Um, you, you see people come to the Lord all the time, and then you know they either disappear. And to me, the biggest thing I look for is is really do they manifest any kind of love? And especially when it comes to a hunger for the Word, right? Okay, and a hunger to know Jesus Christ as well too. Those are some of the fruits I look for. Okay, and I got to tell you, as as a person who's pastored a church and and led ministry in several churches that, that my family and I, as you know, Christian, because you've been a big part of that, we've started a few congregations, and it's been a frustration for me as a leader, for me as a pastor, to say, you know, what is it that's going on here with, with these people? Because to me, it, it is very apparent what the text teaches, what the scripture teaches about what right. salvation is. Why are people so confused? Why are they not getting it? Mm. And the only story I can give you to kind of relate to that a little bit is my own story. Okay, Um, when I came to the Lord, I found a very good Bible teaching church. And one of the things that I'm sure all anyone who's been to a good Christian church, it teaches the gospel and does an altar call. You'll hear the pastor after the sermon at some point say, anyone want to receive Christ as their savior? You know, your heads are bowed, eyes are closed, raise your hand, that kind of thing. Well, I, I responded to that. I responded to that. Coming out of the faith that I came out of, which was a Catholic, where I really didn't have that much exposure to the to the scriptures, I got to this church, and man, I was on fire because this teacher was an expositor. Mm. This little church in Bayonne, the teacher, the pastor who was the lead there, every Sunday he was opening up a book and going through it verse by verse, chapter by chapter. I mean, I was my mind was blown, right? You know, and when he made those altar calls, guess who raised their hand? I did. Okay, and I did several times. Right, <laughs> I do remember you saying okay? that. Okay, <laughs> and I and I and that's funny, but I mentioned that because this is what I saw as a pastor too. Right, I'd preach, make an altar call, and I see the hands go up. And the frustrating part about it is, is that the same hands would go up a mm-hmm. lot of times. Okay, I've been there. I was one of those people, and I don't know how many times I raised up my hand and accepted the Lord as my Savior. But I was looking. Okay, I was hungry, and the pastor of this church was a big Italian guy. It was over seven foot, definitely seven foot two or something like that. That's X and X I R S agent. That's you don't crazy. mess with him because he's a pastor. And you don't mess with him because he's an X I R S agent. But he met me at the door, and to his credit, he said, "Hey, Alex, we need to get together because I've noticed you've raised your hand a few times. We need to talk." 
And that's the follow-up that I needed. Yeah. Because I was raising my hand repeatedly, and I see a lot of Christians do that, so I know people listening to this do this. Because mm-hmm. I've seen it in churches that have spoke, churches that have pastored, and many churches that I've visited. I've seen this time and time again. They do the same thing that I was doing, raising my hand, raising my hand. That's because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And he took me aside and said, Alex, we need to talk. Took my information, met me at my house, gave me the gospel message face to face. I accepted Christ as my savior in my living room with that pastor. And my life has changed ever since. And I never responded to another altar call because, because I know what I had yeah. done. Yeah. yeah. You know, I accepted and I said, wow. As a matter of fact, I'll never forget the words that I said to the pastor once we prayed the prayer. I looked at him, wow, that was easy. Because I was really complicated in it. Every, went, every Sunday, raising my hand, raising my hand. And that happens a lot. So as a pastor, someone who was teaching in churches and being in that environment where we're po- constantly trying to get people to understand what the gospel is, it's somewhat frustrating and, 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 and concerning. Yeah. And it's actually it's been a burden in my heart to, to make sure that, that people at least when I've ministered the word, that I do it responsibly. And to me, responsibly is make sure that the gospel message is always clear. Right. Every time I preach, it's always going to be the gospel message. And I get that example right from Jesus Christ. But what people are making a faith decision on, what they're stepping forward and making a profession on, they understand. Right. They understand. Because I went through that. And so I'm hoping that what we cover here will kind of uh, help people get through that because it's something that, that, that people do need to understand, okay? It's something that you do need to understand because if you're not understanding the gospel, then are you saved? This is why people disappear. Mm -hmm. This is why people, you see them fired up for a little while and then they're gone. You know, we can go back to the parable of the soils and you can see all the different people and how that seed lands on all those soils. And I believe that the difference is that, you know, just exactly what kind of understanding those people had about salvation. I think, let me stop you there, because I think that's uh, very important is the understanding of, of it. I mean, you said it yourself, you were raising your hand time and time again, every ser- every service, and the understanding wasn't there. You were hearing it, but you didn't have understand- understanding. And you've always told me this um, as far as you should be discipling those who are making a profession of faith mm-hmm. to help them understand. Um, and I think that's definitely important. We see that with Paul, uh, guiding Timothy, being yes. a spiritual father to Timothy. And um, I think we should be coming, I believe we should be coming along people who are making those professions of faith and are coming to Christ uh, broken and uh, coming alongside of them and helping them understand. Um, and I think that's where um, we fail sometimes uh, as a church, not coming alongside of them. We're just allowing them to raise their hand every Sunday and not following up with these people who are raising their hand because it seems like they want to change their life, but they don't necessarily know how to change their life. Yeah. Now, so, this, this is a good conversation, and, and people, just be patient. Yeah, we yeah, will we're going to get text. to it. We will get to the text. But, but these I, are, that's important, though, you know? Yeah, well, this is the groundwork that I really wanted right. to lay down because this is the discussion that I've had hundreds of times with people within the right. church, okay? How responsible are churches in making sure that when they are preaching, that the gospel message is not only clear, mm. but are they following up with people? Because right. I know there's churches that will, you know, have you sign a card, I made a profession of faith, and then they'll make a big announcement the following week, hey, we had 100 people come to the Lord. 
And my question is always, oh, well, who followed up with these yeah, hundred people? Yeah. Because are they like me, raising your hand again and again, and no one's taking the time to really explain the gospel message? I was hungry. I was looking. Yeah. And thank God that pastor came to me and said, you know what, Alex, we need to talk. Okay, and it's not that people lose their salvation when they disappear, because that's that's something that to me is also apparent in the scripture. You and I have talked about this. Yeah. It's, that's a topic, <laughs> folks. A little heads up. We're going to tackle that the next episode, and we actually have Kurt Blantman who's going to join us as a guest host, and we're going to do a roundtable on that. So that's going to be exciting, and that's a little bit controversial. But you just need to know that it's not because they're losing their salvation that these people are disappearing, because right. the scriptures teach that that's not the case. That's impossible. You're saved, you're saved forever. I mean, we see that in, in, in Romans 8, 29 through 30. I mean, you just don't lose your salvation, right. okay? And, you know, it's just a matter of, are they just not getting it? Are they not saved? And that's such a hard thing to discern, mm -hmm. okay? But I will say that in John 8, 31, and I've hung on to this verse as an anchor when I work with people in the church, when I gauge people just how much they're on fire for the Lord and whether this the, the gospel message is something that took root in some good soil, mm -hmm. I look at John chapter 8, verse 31. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And that's what Jesus says. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And mm. that is the Lord Jesus Christ setting that high bar. Okay? And, and, you know, that's, that it is a high bar. I mean, we taught that in our first episode, our three principles, right? You got to have a high view of scripture. Right. Okay. It's got to be above everything else. You've got to see that in the person whose life has been transformed by the gospel, the person who is born again. Yep. You need to see that, that transformation. You need to see a person who all of a sudden clutches that Bible and says, I need this. Mm -hmm. I want this. I desire it. Yeah. You know, that's something I look for. And John 8 31 says it. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are truly, truly my disciples. Okay. So that's the bar that we're setting, and that's a pretty high bar. So let's tear into this text a little bit in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 29. Okay. Now, the context, let me set that up. The context of this is that really this is the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, now the Sermon on the Mount is, like I said, a very big, big sermon that the that the that the uh, the Lord taught on. Okay, from chapter five to seven, pretty much that's the sermon. From chapter five all the way to verse one through twelve, you got the Beatitudes. I'm going to read a little bit of those later on. Okay, Lord goes into personal relationships. You heard that if, if you, you know, commit adultery and then the Lord turns around and says, well, I say, if you look at a woman with lust, right. you could, and he starts kind of giving his view on just exactly what scripture has been taught to the Jews of the day. And he's not contradicting the word because he also says in the Sermon of the Mount, I did not come to do away with the word. He came to fulfill it. Right. But he made some very important clarifications about personal relationships, things like adultery, where up to that point in history, I mean, Jews, you know, if you committed adultery, you had two witnesses that caught you in the act, like the woman they brought to before Christ. Yeah, that was adultery. Yeah. But Jesus turns around and says, you've heard that that's adultery. But guess what? I say adultery is if you look at a woman with lust, mm -hmm. that's adultery. So he brings a whole different mindset to obedience to the word and a whole different standard and sets that bar even higher. Right. Okay. He gives the apostles, uh, the disciples, the Lord's prayer. 
They ask him, how do you pray? And he tells him, this is how you pray. He goes into fasting and how fasting is not something that you do publicly and make sure everybody knows you're fasting. It's something that you do internally and do it for real. Right. You know, a lot of this talk within the Sermon on the Mount is, get, uh, Sermon on the Mount is getting people, don't be phony in your faith. As a matter of fact, he says in the Sermon on the Mount several times, you hypocrites, don't do what the hypocrites do. Right. Don't pray like they do. Okay, don't walk around and give to the poor like they do. Okay, there's a lot there that he does to kind of just, you know, set a high bar. In fact, he tells them you've got to be even more righteous than the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a hard one for Christians to understand, because when we read about the Pharisees in the New Testament account, the Pharisees are the bad guys. But if you're a Jew back in those days, okay, the Pharisees were like they were the top of the heap. Yep. Everyone was trying to be like a Pharisee. They were the holiest among them. Remember, we're talking about a theocracy. This is a civilization, a, excuse me, a culture that it was run by, you know, basically the church. Right. And that day it was, you know, the Jewish faith. So they were the ones that everyone was aspiring to, to be. be like, and he huh. tells them, if you want to be, if you want to get to the kingdom of God, you got to be even more righteous than them. Mm -hmm. And from a Jew, okay, that's like, wow, huh? I mean, how do we do that? Yeah. Okay. And then later on in the Sermon on the Mount, he says also be perfect, like my father in heaven is perfect, which I remember reading that as a brand new Christian saying to myself, wow, that blows my mind. How am I going to be perfect? Mm -hmm. The only one that was perfect died on the cross. But that makes you think, that's what I love about Jesus saying these things is like, wait a minute, you asked the question, wait, how in the world can I do that? How can I world, how in the world can I be li as perfect as the Pharisees or, you know, as righteous as they are, but also be as perfect as the Heavenly Father is? There's just no way. And through that curiosity, it's, it opens the door for Jesus to walk in. Yeah, and it's more than just curiosity. I mean, to them, it was a mind blowing concept that Jesus was laying on the crowd. Mm -hmm. To be more righteous than the Pharisees is a standard that most people say, I can't do that. And then yeah. he turns around and says, you got to be perfect like my father is perfect. Okay. Context, people. It's so important, context, when you read the scripture. You know what Jesus is saying by all that? Guess what? You can't do it. Right. Right. Okay. And we're going to open that up a little bit. And yep. that's really the lesson that our Lord is teaching everybody, okay? You see all this righteousness in your society among all these religious people, how they're walking and, and, and talking like they're holy. Well, guess what? You gotta be better than that. Not only that, but you gotta be perfect like God is perfect. I mean, that's mind blowing, mm -hmm. okay? And it's because you can't do it, okay? No matter how hard you try. No matter how hard you try. Because salvation is not a work of man, it's a work of God. Right. And, and that's the point, isn't it? So let's tear into this. Let's go to Matthew chapter seven. We've had people waiting long enough. And uh, I'll read from 13 through 29, okay? Enter through the narrow gate. This is uh, verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is narrow and the way is constricted that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Any grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs, uh, excuse me, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. Even so, a good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree 
that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown down into the fire. So then, you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, in your name, did we not prophesy and in your name cast out demons and in your name do many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain descended, and the rivers came, and the wind blew and fell against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on a rock. And everyone hearing these words of mine and not doing them may be compared to a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew and slammed against the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now it happened that when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Okay? Amazing piece of scripture. And there's a lot there, and I guarantee you we're not going to get to all of it. But the meat of it really is for us, okay, is really two places here. Okay? And it's verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, that's a scary piece of scripture if you don't have your salvation theology right in your heart. If you're, if Alex would have kept on raising his hand, mm-hmm. and that pastor never came to me to explain just exactly what I thought I was professing, okay, would I have really understood that? Would I have been one of these people that came before the Lord when I t- and when he talks about that when you come before the Lord, we're all gonna die. And we got to make account to the Lord. Would mm-hmm. I have been one of those people raising my hand again and again, Sunday service after Sunday service, and never really getting it so that he can just tell me I never knew you? Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And when he says I never knew you, of course he knows who Alex is. I'm talking about that intimate relationship that you enter into when you're, uh, when you're saved, mm-hmm. when you become a born again, and the Spirit of God comes to dwell in you and live its life through right. you. Okay, that's a key piece right there because that should scare anyone who has any doubt, okay, about whether they understood the gospel correctly. Okay, a person who is born again, who's accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, should have an assurance Mm -hmm. that when they do come before the Lord, okay, that they are basically going to a homecoming. Their Savior is going to be there to greet them. Okay, it shouldn't be, I don't know you. Because if you have, then guess what? Then you've been building a house on sand, not on rock. Mm-hmm. Okay? So there's a lot that goes into this, and we're going to dig into this a little bit more. Okay? And let's just go to the Beatitudes just for a moment. And that's chapter 5, 1 through 12. I'm not going to read all of it, but that's what the Beatitudes are. Now I'm just going to cover the first few um, verses of that scripture. And, and, and I'm going there because I want to set the context for the kind of people that the Lord Jesus Christ is talking about that enter into the kingdom. You're very familiar with this piece this of scripture. This is one of my favorite pieces of scripture because this is where, uh, through God's word, God really just transformed my life, honestly. Uh, Matthew's 5, verse, specifically verse 4, but also verse 3 as well. So and we talked about that in the one of the last podcasts. Um, and this is definitely 
something that、um, has changed my life for sure. So, so why don't you read it, verse、uh, chapter five, verse? Just go one through six. Okay. So,、uh, verse one,、um, chapter five of Matthew. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountains, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the lowly, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So, what kind of people are, are is Jesus talking about that enter the kingdom of heaven? And this is really kind of、uh, Jesus laying it out for you. It's those that are poor in spirit.、Mm. Okay, and the word "poor" there is a word that's used that basically means you got nothing. Yep. Okay, so if you're poor in spirit, you come into you come into God with nothing. Yeah. Okay, and he says blessed, which is another way of saying happy are those. Okay, we've seen that version of, of the scripture as well too. But blessed are those in poor in spirit because they got nothing. But you know what? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's what verse three says. And then there's blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, Christian, what are they mourning about? Sin. They're mourning over their own sin. Okay, this is the person who's looking for salvation. This is the person who is, is, is in need of knows their spiritual condition,、mm -hmm. knows their sinful condition, knows the depravity of their lives, knows the hopelessness of not having salvation, not having a blessed assurance that when I die, I'm going to be in this kingdom. I'm going to go to heaven with the Lord. I'm going to go to heaven with God. This is a person who's mourning over their condition in life.、Mm -hmm. Their sinful condition, whether it be because there's something going on in their life, they're in some kind of sin、mm -hmm. that they're not proud of and they're struggling with. Because we struggle with sin, a lot of people doing sin and they don't want to, but the flesh、right. is strong. You know, it's like the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Okay, but mourning over your own sin. This is the person who is open、mm -hmm. to the gospel. This is someone who's open. And looking for that kingdom, and it says here in verse four that they shall be comforted. And blessed are the lowly, for they will inherit the earth. The lowest of the low. Okay, the lowest in life. I mean, who did Jesus minister to?、Mm -hmm. He ministered to everybody, but did the Pharisees and those who were well off listen as well as those who were broken? Not at all. Okay, so I mean, those are the people that are going to come. To the Lord and look for some kind of redemption. And look at verse six: Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And why are they hungering for righteousness? Because they don't have any. Right. You don't hunger because you have food. You hunger because you don't have it. Right. It's interesting because before what you said was very, very important.、Um, when Jesus is going through the Sermon on the Mount, he's saying that you have to be、um, as righteous as the Pharisees. And to give you us a little context,、uh, Alex was saying that you know people were the Jews back in those times wanted to be like the Pharisees, and they they saw that they couldn't. And when Jesus comes in with authority, saying that you must be as righteous as the Pharisees, they're like, wait, that's not impossible. That's impossible. And then he even took it to the next level and was. Made it even more impossible. You must be perfect, like our heavenly Father is perfect. So, in in this point, when there is someone who's hearing this word,、um, they're seeing themselves like, "Wow, I can't possibly do that. There is no way. My sin is just too much." I mean, it's like when、um, Cain、uh, says, "This sin is too much for me to bear." You know, those who are poor in spirit. 
their understanding that they are uh, spiritually bankrupt. And so when the word blessed, like Alex said, is that word, it means it means happy, fortunate, or blissful. Um, it's the Greek word makarios. And when Jesus is saying happy are the poor in spirit, why would he say, why would you be happy that you're poor in spirit? And then the, uh, the next part of that verse comes in and says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You're happy because you're coming through that condition and what proceeds from that condition is the kingdom of heaven. So you have to recognize this poor in spirit and you can't come to God with a puffed out chest. You can't come to God with your uh, head held high. You have to come whole, uh, lowly and humbled. There's a couple of verses in the Old Testament that kind of speak into this. Um, Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. So Jesus is really coming in and trying to tell them all of this. And you can go back to the Old Testament and, and refer to this. Uh, Proverbs 21, uh, 29, 23, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. And lastly, Isaiah 57, 15, for thus says the Lord, one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. This is Yahweh. I dwell in, a, in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite. And this is so important because have you ever seen, when Jesus used blessed are the poor in spirit, have you ever seen someone who is um, filing for bankruptcy happy about it? No. Not at all. Why? Because it's something that you have to go through. I looked up the word bankruptcy and the, the word bankruptcy actually means a legal process through which a person who upon his or her own petition cannot repay debts to creditors and are seeking relief from some or all of their debts. Man, that's so perfect. Isn't that, isn't that? So when you're coming, Jesus is saying, when you're coming and you're coming to me, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who are spiritually bankrupt that literally know they have a debt they can't pay. When Jesus was saying, um, you must be perfect like my heavenly father is perfect. I can't do that because my sin is too much. Mm -hmm. There's no way, there's, there, there's too much debt here. So when he goes, he's like, okay, perfect. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. And then when he goes to blessed are those who mourn, we talked about it, what are you mourning over? Sin. People think this is something where um, uh, you're mourning over someone you lost. And yes, God does comfort us when we go through these hardships of losing someone or going through these things. But you gotta understand, Jesus speaks spiritually. He can only speak of things that he's heard and seen. John 3, 11. Mm -hmm. He tells that to Nicodemus, I, we only speak of things we hear. I bear my testimony, but you don't listen mm -hmm. pretty much. So Jesus is speaking in a spiritual sense here because he wants you to understand how to get in the kingdom of heaven. Mourning, you must lament, you must grieve, you must feel sorrow. That's what mourning means. You must mourn over your sin. And through that mourning and understanding that you are not perfect enough mm -hmm. to reach the heavenlies of heavenlies, there comes comfort. Why? Because Jesus is there. Yeah. You know, um, John MacArthur teaches that really there's only um, two types of religions, 
okay? There's one based on human effort and the other one where God has done everything, uh. okay? And that's important to understand because you're right on the money. Everything you said is exactly right. That's how you come to the Lord, okay? But make no mistake, it's not something that you can accomplish on your right, own. Right. As a matter of fact, Luke 13, 24 says, many will try. Jesus says, money will try, many will try but they can't mm -hmm. because it's not something you can do. And no. this was the frustration that Nicodemus had. He thought he had it all figured out. When we look at the, we studied John uh, right. chapter yeah, yeah, three, yeah. right? He thought he had it all figured out and Jesus blew his mind and blew his, turned his whole world upside down and said, no, you gotta start all over again because there's nothing you can do. I did it all, right? okay? Right. Or he did it all, all on the cross, okay? So when we look at uh, verse 13, okay, the first thing that strikes me here is that Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate for the gate is, for the gate is wide and broad that leads to destruction. Mm okay and there are many who enter it so there's there's two roads here that we're talking about two roads that lead to a gate one is very very wide with a very wide entrance mm -hmm. and then there's one that's very very narrow when he says in verse 14 and the gate that is narrow and uh, the, excuse me for the gate that is narrow and the way is constricted that leads to life and there are few who find it Okay, that's mind-blowing in itself. So that tells me, okay, that there's a lot of people out there preaching some gospel mm. on that wide road and pointing you to that wide gate. Yep, yep. But is it really the gospel? Okay, and it answers a lot of the questions that I had when I first started this podcast when I said, this is the kind of things that I saw early in the church. People make professions and then they disappear or people make professions of faith and they keep on acting the way they always act. Nothing changes. It's because they're on that wide road going through that wide gate. They're not tearing off anything, shaking off anything from their lives. Mm -hmm. they're, not, they're not taking the, the, the restrictions that the, the word of God puts on you. Okay, yeah. the ones that you've talked about, are you mourning over your sin? Okay, do you see God as your only recourse? Mm -hmm. Okay, are you still trying to do it yourself? Because there's a lot of pastors and preachers out there. Yeah. Okay, you want to call them pastors, but a lot of false teachers that are teaching a gospel where, you know, it's like, it, it sounds like a, a, a motivational speech more than anything. It's really not gospel. Yeah. Your life is going to be great. You're going to get all these things. God is going to take care of you. All this abundance, the prosperity gospel is rife with people like this. Okay, that to me is the gospel of the other people that you hear on that road, right? Because it's like John McCarthy teaches this and he says, you know, you don't have people on that wide road pointing you to that wide gate and saying, this is hell. They're yeah. saying this is heaven. heaven. Yeah, it's true. It's okay? true. Yeah. Because Jesus says the opposite here. No, it's that small little narrow road that nobody sees with the narrow gate that's really, you know, it's hard to get through. Okay. Yep. Like we, we said in Luke, many will try because it's hard to get to because they're trying to go into it their own way, but they're not going the way that the scriptures say that you mm. have to go, mm. which is through Christ. So that you got to be careful. Okay. You do. When you, when you look at people who are presenting a gospel, presenting uh, 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 whatever it is that they present in these churches to say that they're teaching people the Bible. A lot of them are not. Mm -hmm. They're opening this wide road and this wide gate and they're not asking you to do anything. They're not asking you to change your life. They're not saying you've got to come broken. They're not saying you've got to recognize your sin. Right. They're just saying, hey, everything's going to be great. Mm -hmm. You know, your life is going to be wonderful. Asking God will receive so it. You're not giving anything up. You're not losing anything. So you can go on this wide road and you can enter through that narrow gate and you can wander around all you want because there's plenty of room for all the baggage that you're bringing yep. with you. Yep. 
okay? But you really have to, like Nicodemus, reinvent yourself. You have to be born again. That means you have to become a new creation. That's why when Jesus says something, you got to pay attention. If he says there's a wide road and that's what everybody's on, then they're deceived. And, and, and this is the danger of understanding a false gospel. Yep. Don't be on that wide road, okay? Accepting what everyone is telling you, hey, this is heaven. You need to follow this road to go to that wide gate. No. Jesus said that the road to, to the kingdom of heaven is down a narrow road. It's through the gate that's hard to get through. He even says, and the way is constricted that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Um, when you were going into like the whole like prosperity gospel and people preaching, this is what I love about God's word is because God's word covers that too. I mean, if you go to 2 Corinthians um, 2.11, verse 3 and 4, Paul talks about this. He says, but I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by cr his craftiness, your minds will be corrupted from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we did not preach, or you receive a different spirit, which you did not receive, or a different gospel, which you did not accept, you bear this beautifully. And pretty much Paul is just, is, it, all he's saying is, it is possible to be deceived by another Jesus, another gospel, and another spirit. There's a counterfeit Jesus, there's a counterfeit gospel, and there's another counterfeit spirit out there that people are trying to lead you to. And those are you what you have to be aware of because that is what's leading you, like you said beautifully, um, is what's leading you to that wide road that says a big sign, heaven, and it's really not that. It's mm -hmm. not that. You have to check it with the facts of scripture you have to check it with scripture yeah and you got to be careful what what gospel you listen to because who's on that wide road the false prophets and not because i say so just look at verse right. 15 okay he talks about the narrow gate he talks about the wide gate and he says beware of false prophets Ugh. who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they're ravenous wolves so he, you know this is why it's difficult yeah okay for some some people to understand what the gospel is they're not being presented it correctly they're not understanding it correctly okay there are false teachers out there that's confusing the message mm -hmm. and i hate to say it and it breaks my heart and it grieves me when i say this okay but there's a lot one of the questions that i get a lot is alex how do i find a good church fact of the matter is it's tough because a lot of these churches their doctrine and their teaching is on the wide road there's not a lot of churches that are on the narrow road yeah. leading their people to that narrow gate. They're not trying to, you know, everyone's out there trying to accommodate everybody, substituting scriptures and substituting Christ for something else or someone else. It's so wrong. Okay? It's such an easy message, okay? And I think this is why, you know, some of the frustration I've seen in my ministry is that people come to the Lord and they disappear or it's shallow faith. Mm -hmm. and, and and they're back in their sin is because they're they're believing the wrong gospel. Yeah. Okay. They're believing a version of the gospel that they've either heard somewhere else and not understanding because they lack of un an understanding of the scripture. Yeah. But make no mistake, that wide road is full of false preachers. It's full of false doctrine. It's like you said, Christian. It's everyone pointing you in the right direction. Come with me. This is the way. Okay, and you've got to look for that narrow road because the false prophets is one of the things. False teachers, I'm going to say, because we see a lot, a lot of them in our in our church, so-called evangelical churches today. These are the guys that are giving everybody the deceitful messages that are confusing people. They're thinking that they're saved 
or they're not saved, or they're thinking they can lose their salvation. There mm-hmm. are people out there that are confused, and we're going to see why, and that's where the house of sand and the house of rock comes in. We're going to give you the, the, the tools that you need because it's all right here. But make no mistake, these false teachers make it very, very hard for people. There's something, real quick, there's something really interesting about that, only because you do have those people who um, bring in, maybe for two reasons. Maybe they don't want to hurt people's feelings, number one. Or number two, they know what they're doing and it's benefiting them and that's why they do it. And I'll tell you this much, you're not, when you share the truth of the gospel about what sin is and the consequences for um, not accepting Christ, you're going to run into argument. You're going to run into conflict and there's just no way around that. I mean, Jesus is the perfect example for that. He literally came from where the heavenly father was and giving them the truth. And what did he do? They crucified him. John the Baptist, he came with the truth, preparing the way for the Lord. What did they do? Behead him. So just know that this message that we share is not an easy one and not everybody is going to accept it, but we have to share it and we have to be bold about it. Verses that follow right after the false teacher and the false prophet, okay? talks about the good tree that bears good fruit. I mean, that's obvious. I mean, if you are sincerely saved, if you're someone who accepts what Jesus is Christ has done in your life and you've got the Spirit of God living in you, guess what? You're going to bear good fruit. And Jesus makes it a point here. A good tree cannot cannot bear bad fruit. So if you're truly saved, we're going to see some fruit. Right, right. Okay? We're not going to see this confusion that we see in a lot of people where it, it, it doesn't really sink in. Okay? A bad tree, okay, does not bear good fruit. Okay? You don't look for perfection when people make a profession of faith because mm-hmm. no one is perfect. Okay, right. and, and this is where I'm going to advise anyone who who's kind of confused with people who are trying to walk in, in, in the faith and say that they're Christians, but you're not really understanding their walk. I mean, how many Christians I can't tell you I've been with where they claim to be born again Christians, and you hang out with them or something like that, and next thing you know, cuss words are coming out. I'm saying, whoa, what's up with that? Okay, you know, I'm not going to sit there and judge. Okay, because no one's perfect and I'm not looking for perfection, but I am looking for direction. Right. And if I'm stick, sticking around a person like that long enough, first of all, I'm going to share my faith, share the gospel and make sure that they have a good understanding of the scripture. But I'm going to be looking forward and saying, okay, let me see if this person's got some some direction in their life where they're, they're shedding some of that stuff. Right. They're heading towards that narrow gate. Mm. Where they're shedding the bad language, the bad relationships, you know. Just sin in general. Uh, uh, sin in general. <laughs> And that's why it's restricted. That's why it's right, constricted. Right, right, right. Because as you're, like you said, as you're wo- going through that narrow road, it's it's pretty much shaving all that baggage off. The the the, the biggest question I have for for anyone um, when you're, you know, uh, dealing with that, and you're like, you know, is this person really a Christian? Is this person, you know, really believe? You know, because like you said, there needs to be some sort of fruit in your life. The biggest question that I even have asked myself when I had to get serious with my sin was, what is the relationship between you and sin in your life? If it's a relationship that it's, there's just, you still have a relationship with sin. I'm not saying that as believers, we're not, we, we, we become perfect and we don't sin. I'm just saying, what is your relationship to that? Are you trying to kill the sin in your life or are you still giving into that in your life? And that's an important question because 
you know, you you hang out with people who profess to be Christian and, you know, they're doing things and you're just like, wait, 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 hold, hold up. That's not what that's not what I do. And it's not that, you know, you you're you're perfect or you're trying to be holier than them. But this whole walk with Jesus is about growing in holiness. It's about sanctification and bearing fruit. Yeah. You know, I love you guys. I really do. And I'm going to get a little tough here and I'm going to give you some tough love. But, you know, when you read that it says in verse 22 that on that day a lot of people will say, Lord, Lord, and then he's going to turn around and say, I do not know you. This is serious business. Yeah. This is serious business. You know, and and I look at people, and I know people I've been in a relationship with for many years, you know, people you know, you know, because I'm not really tight with a lot of people. i got a small ter- circle of people that are like, you know, really, really agape type of relationship. But I try to love on everybody. And you come through so many people in life that, especially in the church that that you can see they're trying to walk that path don't know if it's biblical or not but one thing i look for is if you don't have an abiding word for the word of god uh, desired for the word of god where it's not something that that you desire to eat and 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 consume daily i question that faith if you don't have a desire for the word of god if you don't have an overwhelming uh, desire to know who this Jesus is and and go to the scriptures and look for him. And I'm not saying every day, but you've got to have that in your life. This is where Jesus lives in this book. You can find him here. Mm-hmm. He's in these pages. He's in these words. And if you're a person who doesn't care about reading your Bible, then I have to question what you believed. Okay. You have to really question what kind of profession you did make because that should be if we're reading what jesus is saying here a good tree cannot bear bad fruit well if you made a profession of faith and you say you're saved but you don't pick up your bible and read shame on you shame on you because that's where jesus lives that's where jesus communes with you that's where he talks with you that's where your soul understands what the spirit is trying to teach you mm-hmm. that's where you get comforted yep okay that has to be some of the direction that you look for in a Christian's life. It's not perfect because everybody approaches the scripture at their level. Right, right. Okay? Everyone approaches God at their level. Okay? But a love for the word has got to be part of it. Yeah. As I read before, you know, you will know my true disciples by their love for my word. Mm -hmm. Okay? So Jesus gets into the fruit here. And and it's important because as he goes through this, what bad fruit is and who bears bad fruit and who bears good fruit, a true believer will bear good fruit. And these false prophets are full of bad fruit. And we see that in many ministries. Eventually, all these guys who wind up, you know, preaching, saying they are what they are, their true colors come out, whether it be money or whatever it is. Mm Mm-hmm. Recognition, power, I don't know what, some, what, what, what these guys look for when they posture themselves to be leaders and they do these uh, um, ministries and really don't put the gospel out there and, and basically just, you know, do gospel light, you know, for mm-hmm. people who are hungry. But he's, you know, the people in these congregations have like a shallow faith and they don't dig into the word because it's not taught on Sundays. It's not encouraged from the pulpit. The Word of God is so important. It really is, especially when there are so many that are going to be turned away and he's going to say, I never knew you. It's it's just has consequences that are eternal. And you've got to make sure that you're on the right side of that. What's what's um, important about what you said, too, is, you know, digging into the word. Why do we go in there to learn about who Christ is? I mean, we're 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 told that it's a command to put your trust and your faith in Jesus alone because he was your perfect sacrifice for you because we could not do this on our own. And so you look for Christ 
and you look for the, that comfort in God's word, not only comfort, but you also look for pruning in your life. Because this is where discipline comes. This is where you start to learn like, oh, I can't do that as a believer. I can't do that. That's why I asked that question, what is the relationship between uh, you and sin in your life? And when, when you sin, do you see the characteristics of Matthew 5? Do you see yourself mourning over it? I mean, this is not something that it, it, it stops. I'm not saying that you're like, you know, tears and, and all that stuff. But when you sin, are you like Paul? I hate that I do not do what I want to do, but I do the things that I hate. Are you conflicting with sin in, that, in, in your life? Sin is always going to dwell in our mortal bodies. As long as we're in this, like you've taught me before, as long as we're in the flesh, we're going to be battling that. Mm-hmm. Are you going against that or are you just... It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Does sin not matter to you? Do you hate sin and love what's right? Or do you love sin and hate what's right? Yeah. That's, that's where you have to have your mindset uh, around when you're trying to, you know, grow spiritually in the word. It's easy to be self-deceived into thinking that you understand the gospel and that you're saved. Okay. You've got to get into the word and make sure that what you believe okay, squares with what God says in Scripture. It's so important. Verse 22, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, in your name, did we not prophesy? They're talking about preachers, people who teach, okay? They're going before the Lord. It says, Lord, didn't I preach in your name? Didn't I cast out demons in your name? I mean, we see this all the time with some of these crazy televangelists on TV. I mean, why aren't they in cancer hospitals curing children if they've got that kind of power? Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and then it says, we've cast out demons in your name. We did miracles in your name. So here we go. There's a person who's coming before the Lord, deceived into thinking that they did all these things in God's name. And what does Jesus tell them in verse 23? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. So if they were doing all those things in supposedly God's name, then whose power were they using? It certainly wasn't the Lord's power because he's saying, I never knew you. Demonic influences. Demonic deceptions. These are people who have been demonically deceived into thinking they're serving the Lord. Yeah. And we see this all the time with these crazy ministries that we see out there, these crazy preachers out there doing these outlandish things. These are false prophets, people. I don't know what power they're using to do these things, but Jesus says here, I never knew you. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of people that are going to come to him on the day of judgment when they have to make account to the Lord. And I preached in your name. He's going to say, I don't know you. I cast out demons in your name. I don't, I don't know you. I did miracles in your name. I do not know you. And not only that, he says, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, we know what the law is. It's the word of God. Right. Okay, that means that they weren't following the word. They Mm -hmm. were following some other motivation, sinful flesh, demonic influences. Or doing it on their own, trying to do it on on their own. Which is following your own sinful flesh. What's very interesting about 22 is uh, I I had a run-in with, um, uh, I'm not going to go into it too much, but I had a run-in with um, these uh, so-called Christians who believe that God is a mother as well as a father. And this verse came up when we were discussing scripture with them. And um, that's a different gospel. Right. That's not a scriptural gospel. That's not in the Bible. Not at all. It's the same thing with Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons. Um, those those are like, you know, really good topics we can get into. But specifically about this whole conversation that I was having with them, um, they actually brought up this verse. 
Um, and they said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, in your name, did we not prophesy? And in your name, cast out demons, in your name, do many miracles. And, you know, I didn't, you know, I under, I've read that verse before. I didn't truly understand, you know, what it meant. Now, just to give it you in a nutshell, a lot of what they believe in is a works-based salvation. And like Jehovah's Witnesses as well, it's a work-based salvation. And so they pointed to this. And for a couple of days, it was in my mind, and that scripture was in my mind. And I kept, you know, uh, rereading it in my mind and just, just kind of meditating on it until one day I came back home um, from uh, worship practice. And uh, on my way uh, home, I, I, read it, I read it again and I came up and I was like, wait a minute. I said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, in your name did we. And we was the biggest word that stuck out to me in this whole verse. Because having that conversation with them, what's very works-based, when you come into the first person and you're standing before a holy God and you're saying, didn't I do this? Didn't mm. I say this? Mm. Didn't I cast that? Mm. First off, it wasn't you who did that. <laughs> As a matter of fact, if you go back to the gospel, what, what does the gospel teach? It is Christ who did it all. You can do nothing. That's very interesting. Did we not prophesy? Well, this is the religious system that Jesus was speaking to right. at this moment. Right. Okay, a Pharisee could have stood there and said, didn't we? or even a scribe, or even the nothing. people that he was speaking to directly who were following the faith at that point. But we're doing everything that we're supposed to do. Again, a religion of works, which is what Jesus was trying to overcome mm -hmm. in his day, and we're overcoming the same things as well, too, in, in our day as right. well. And the, the fact of the matter is, why does he say, I never knew you? Because if you don't know the Son, you don't know the Father. It goes back to the, the last episode that we had, okay? Who's the message that the Son brings? It's this message of the Spirit, and it comes right from the Father, okay? If you don't know Him, you don't know Christ, and you don't know who He is. You don't know who the Father yeah. is. Yeah, Jesus is so important, and you have to get this right about Jesus, or else you have a wide gate you're following in, you bear no fruit, and you come into this situation where the Lord comes to you and tells you on that day where you're standing before him, I never knew you. Yeah. And those are some scary words. It is. And I hope that people are listening to this and saying, I want to make sure I'm on that that narrow gate because the wide road is where everyone is at who is self-deceived. These are the people showing up and saying, didn't we prophesy? Didn't yeah. we do miracles? Didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? You know, when you get to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to know whether you're saved or not because if you've got a longing to see him and you can't wait for his embrace and for him to welcome you home, then you know that you're his. It's like the, the scripture says, my sheep know my name. My sheep know me. They're, that's my shepherd. Okay, yeah. You should have that assurance. This is a good place to take a break. Let's take a quick break. and we come back, we're going to go on building your house uh, on a rock and take 24 to 29 and then close it down. Okay, We'll be right back. We are privileged and excited that you joined us today. Please remember to visit our episode notes. They contain links to scripture, any information we referenced during the show, and a link to join our mailing list to receive the latest show news and updates. If you want to send us your questions, provide feedback, or submit an idea for a future episode, we want to hear from you. Just use the Join the Conversation link provided to contact us. 
Want to get to know us better? Then we encourage you to use the Core Truth Media link provided in our episode notes to visit our coretruthmedia.org homepage. You can connect with us via social networks from that page and explore the diverse range of podcasts and high-quality content our ministry offers to those seeking to deepen their understanding of the Bible and grow in their faith. Finally, we invite you to help us communicate God's truth throughout the globe. Anyone can listen to this show for free everywhere podcasts are available. Click the listen and follow link in our episode notes and share it with your friends and family. You'll be glad you did. We appreciate your support. Now let's get back to our show. All right, welcome back, everybody. I'm going to take a few moments before we dig into Matthew, the remainder of Matthew 7 here, verses um, 24 through 29. I want to just say real quick that uh, just a couple of PSA, (laughs) public service announcements. We did launch a new podcast trailer. It's on our audio homepage. It's a two and a half minute trailer. And the reason I mention it, because a lot of you guys ask me, how do I share your podcast? That's a great way to share it. Take that trailer. It's two and a half minutes, kind of talks about what we do or or what to expect, why you should listen to the podcast. Share it with friends, family, anyone who has access to the internet can get to the podcast. I mean, we're on every platform that's out there. So it's a two and a half minute trailer. You'll find it at the top of our audio page. If you go to relentlesslybiblical.com, hit the audio page to go to the relentlessebiblical.com audio page, and you'll see all our audio episodes there. At the very top is the trailer. I just wanted to share that with you. And while you're there, you can also, at the website, sign up for email updates so you can keep in contact with us and we can update you on new things that are happening with the show. But more importantly, I just want to give my appreciation to everybody. We've, our, our listenership is growing. It really is. Thank you, guys. And I wish I can give a shout out to everyone that's out there, but we're covering a lot of states in this country. We're even starting to go overseas a little bit, which is really exciting. But we're getting some coverage out there. And I just want to say that I want to thank you, (laughs) everyone who listens. And I just want to just encourage you to just share because this is a podcast that you consume. But you know what? It's great to share it as well, too, and help open someone's understanding of the scriptures. And don't forget to subscribe as well. And a special shout out to those who have been supporting us financially. Yeah. yeah, that that's been happening as well too, and I just wanted to just you know say that we're encouraged by that, and I'm very very thankful that there are people out there that care enough to invest their dollars with us, and and not only the money but time. Time. I mean, you put your put us into your ears for the little time that you're listening to us. Trust me, folks, we appreciate it. So I don't want to put that out there and make sure that I got that public service announcement out of the way. So let's go back to Matthew. Okay, verse 24, okay, this is where Jesus goes into really the solution. And let's just do a quick recap, right? We talked about the narrow gate. We talked about the wide road and the, and the narrow road. Okay, we know who's on the wide road. That's everyone who's trying to get to heaven on their own. Mm-hmm. Okay, everyone who wants to get to heaven on their own, they're trying to figure out on that wide gate. And they're bringing all kinds of stuff with them because there's no restriction. You can do whatever you want, bring whatever you want. That's the road that'll get you to heaven. And you got false prophets that are pointing you in that direction. But Jesus says, look out. You got to look in the other direction because over there, there's a little gate that no one is seeing and it's got a narrow road. It's going to require some stuff from you. But guess what? That's the way to the kingdom of heaven. 
Yeah. Okay, and that's what you're looking for, and that's where I'm going to be. Okay, false prophets make it very difficult. False teachers, false teaching, churches. I know it's difficult to find a church. Trust me, I've gone through that with my family as we've moved around the country in our lives. It is hard to find a good Bible teaching church, but set a high standard. Okay, set a high standard for yourself. If they're not, preferably, if they're a, a, a church, I always recommend if it's a church that that they're expositing the scriptures, where the pastor gets up every Sunday, starts a book, and go through it. That's the best way to learn because mm -hmm. you learn it in context. You hear it the way God wanted you to hear it. Right. I encourage you to look for that type of church. And if you care about the church that you're in, and they need to be tweaked a little bit, and they need to make some changes, get involved. I don't want to knock down churches only for doing the wrong thing. There's a lot of them out there doing the wrong thing, but you know what? Get involved. You know, become someone in that church that can maybe influence the direction that church is going and bring the word back into the picture. Bring Christ back into the picture. Change the church from within, okay? And if there's false teachers, speak to them and say this is not what the Bible says. Get them out of there or get them replaced or or get them, you know, reconciled. Yeah. You'd be surprised. There are a lot of leaders in churches that got their theology wrong, and we're going to talk about that <laughs> in our next episode, okay? So, and we talk about fruit, okay? You're not looking for perfection in people who claim to be Christian, so right. don't judge, but what you're looking for is direction and, and how we should respond to that. If someone is claiming to be a Christian and they're not really acting like one, you know what? Then you need to spend them Spend time with them. Invite them to a Bible study. Get with them and talk to them about the Lord. Don't spend time talking about current events and news. You know what? Get with that person and, and, and talk the Bible with them. Yeah. Help them along that road. I was that person that raised my hand multiple times because I thought I was accepting Christ. And it's not until someone sat me down and said, Alex, what you're doing every Sunday, let me tell you what it's all about. And this is what it really is. And they straighten me out. So be the person to straighten that person out. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to come off like we're dogging everybody and the way that they're believing and the way that they're living and the way churches are teaching. I mean, there's a lot of bad stuff going on out there, but you can be the change. You can be the change in the people's lives that you know and in the church that you belong to. Okay, so be that change. Verse 24. Okay, it says here, therefore, and this is still Jesus talking here, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them may be compared to a wise man who built a house on a rock and the rain descended and the rivers came and the winds blew and fell against the house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded on a rock and everyone hearing these words verse 26 of mine and does not do them may be compared to a foolish man who built his house on sand the rain descended the floods came and the winds blew and it slammed against the house and it fell and it fell in a great in a great fall it was a great fall that the house had okay the key here is therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and does them that's the key as difficult as it is with that wide road out there and everyone pointing everyone in, in the direction of heaven that's not heaven and everyone's missing that little narrow road with the narrow uh, uh, gate. Right. This is where Jesus, I've got your solution for you. If you hear what I'm saying, remember, when Jesus uh, manifested himself to the apostles and the Lord's, God's voice came from heaven, this is my son, um, whom I am well pleased. He also on one occasion said, this is my son, listen to him. Okay, where do we listen to him? We listen to him in the word of God. So what is the key 
okay, to understanding your salvation? What is the key to know that you're not deceiving yourself into thinking that you're saved and you're not? It's spending time in the Word of God. That's the answer. Because here's the solution. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and does them, okay? So obedience is a big part of that. So spending time in the Word definitely is something. That's why I keyed into it earlier. I see someone who claims to be a Christian, and they're going to church, and they're making all the right moves. We like to say they look and smell good, but they don't pick up a Bible except maybe on Sundays, okay? You know what? You're not going to hear the words that Jesus have to say. Okay, and you're not going to do them either because you're not going to know what they are because you're not spending time with them. Okay, you got to spend time in the scriptures because Jesus says here that is a wise man who is building their house on a rock. Uh Okay, that is a wise man who's building their house on a rock. So obedience is how you build this house on that rock. You get into your word and you obey it. Now, I'm not advocating any kind of faith where the people on a wide wide road are all trying to get to heaven doing something that they need to do because that's what all other religions do. They all teach you you got to do something to get to heaven. Okay, I'm not advocating a, a, a works-based faith. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying get into your word, okay? And if you're sincere about your faith, you know what? You're going to be obedient to them mm-hmm. because if you love the Lord, you're going to want to please him. Yeah. You're going to want to do what the Word teaches you because God speaks to you, you hear, you listen. Right, right. That's why God's voice from heaven came and said, here is my son, listen to him. That's what I endeavor to do in my life. That's why I'm in this Word daily because I need to hear him. I need to build my house on that rock, and that rock is the Word of God. It really is. So here's the key to make sure that if you don't understand just how clear your salvation is, whether it's something that you're not sure about, Mm -hmm. this is how you're sure about it, okay? Make sure that you understand the gospel. And we've got an episode two you can listen to, and you can cement that in your mind, okay? But get into your scripture, okay? Abide in his word. Do what he tells you to do. Be obedient to God. That's how a wise man builds his biblical faith. You build it on the word of God. Because if you look in 24, okay, the rain descended and the rivers came, but the house blew, the the house did not blow over because it was built and founded on a rock. But you know what? In verse 26, the person who hears the words but doesn't do them, because you can be in church like I was, hearing the word, raising my hand, but not doing it. I just wanted something, right, right. okay? But not doing them is foolish because now you're building your house. You're building your, your faith on sand. It really has no foundation. The foundation here, people, is the word of God. Yeah. That's the rock. Anything else is sinking sand. It's like the old hymn, right? Your faith, your faith is built on a rock, not sinking sand, mm-hmm. you know? And th- that's... That is so pleasing to me because, I mean, that's what this ministry is all about. It's about pointing people to the scriptures. We are so relentless about making sure that people have an understanding of what the scripture is because of what it can do for your life, how it can save you from eternal damnation and secure you a place in God's kingdom forever to be with Christ Jesus. And it's that important. And Jesus is pointing everyone to it here and saying, here's the message. And he closes out the Sermon on the Mount with this. This is the key. Listen to these words that I'm telling you. Yeah. And not just be, as Peter says, not hearers, but doers of the faith as well, too. So it's, it's not getting to heaven by doing anything. It's you can't do nothing. I think we established that already. There's nothing you can yeah. do. 
Absolutely in your nothing. sinful condition, there is nothing. That's what the people on the wide road are trying to do, get to heaven on their own. You can't do that. You've got to let God take you down that narrow road and show you what anybody, everybody else is not seeing. Mm. Okay? And he shows you that here in the Word of God. It is so important because obedience is what builds the house on the rock. Biblical faith is that house that you build on the rock. If your faith is based on the Bible, not on emotion, not on what you think it is, mm -hmm. not what, what some false teacher is teaching you, okay, that's the rock, that's the foundation that you want to build your faith, faith on. That's very true. It is. And, and, you know, it makes less scary this whole episode here with the false teachers. That's false true. teachers ain't going to matter. False doctrine, okay, ain't going to matter. Because if you've got a good knowledge of the scriptures, you can defend your faith. You can stand on that rock and know what, you've, what you know. You know what you've believed and know it from head all the way down to your toe. Because it's the same flood that came and, and, and hit both houses, right? It's the same wind that came that blew against both houses. That's true. Okay? So these are homes that are built with the same, found, with the same material, okay? Hit by the same storm, okay? But which is the one that's left standing? It's the one that's built on the Word of God. And I can't stress that enough. What say you, Christian? Honestly, when you were saying all of that about how Scripture is super important, I it's very true. Scripture is, it is truthful because even when you do go and you're listening to another teacher teaching you, it's not like he only has the answers. I mean, if he's truly getting himself out of the equation and preaching to you the Word of God then it should always align to what God has said. So when someone's preaching out of line, how do you check that? Where do you go to? The scriptures. And you can either, you know, you can either uh, um, uh, continue to follow them and what they're saying, or you can fact check it with the Bible. And if there's something out of line, go to your brother. Let him know. Hey, listen, I don't, I don't know about what you said there, but, you know, this is what scripture teaches. And, you know point him back to the Bible, point him back to Scripture. And that's all that we're doing um, and we should be doing as believers in Christ, pointing each other to the Word. Hey, listen, there's something out of line in your life. This is what this Scripture teaches. What you're doing is wrong, not because of what I say, but because of what the Word says. you got to change that, brother. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to point you in the right direction. And there's been times where I've, I've, I've tried to tell a brother that, and it's been... They don't want to listen, but it's not, it's not, it's not anything that I can do. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. That's to change their mind. Yeah. And it's pointing them back to scripture and saying, Hey, listen, I'm not, it's not me saying this. This is God. Well, I mean, let's put it into context here. I mean, you know, let, let's, I don't know, try to look at it from the perspective of where most people's heads are at. I mean, the wide road, there's a lot of people there. Yeah. It's very comfortable in the wide road. That's where everybody is. That's what everything is happening. There's no one shooting rules at you and saying you must do this, you must do that. It's very accepting, mm -hmm. that wide road, okay? So when you're living that life in that mindset, okay, you see the restrictions of the narrow road and what God requires from you, which is to change your life and be, live in obedience to Him. Have a discipline in your life where you want to hear what He has to say in your life daily. That's hard. 
when you look around you and everybody on the road is having a good time, they're not telling you you got to change your life. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's some churches that I've seen, their idea of preaching the gospel is putting on movies and saying how those movies are like, you know, listening to, uh, you know, um, the gospel. Somehow they get a gospel message out of a Disney movie. You know, if, if you're in that kind of environment, you can need to run in a different direction. Right. Somewhere where you're going to get fed. Okay. It's going to be uncomfortable because that's the wide road where everyone's accepting and, and they're basically, you know, creating this environment where you're, you're experiencing this church thing and everyone feels good. You know, being a Christian is hard. And you got to get uncomfortable. And it's going to be uncomfortable when you get off that wide road to all of a sudden walk that narrow road that requires something of you. Yeah. Okay? So it's hard for people when you talk to them because they're, they're, they're very comfortable where they're at. Mm-hmm. The wide road is where everybody is. Their family, their friends, mm-hmm. you know, the people that they love. Remember, Jesus said he came to bring a sword. Okay, and he also says he also said that you know to love me you got to love your you got to love me you got to hate your father or your mother I mean why is that it seems like a very cruel thing to say but fact of the matter is when when you trust Christ as your savior and the rest of your family's not getting it they turn on you yeah that's not an easy road to travel that's why it's so narrow because what the Christian life demands of you okay it's not the road that's going to be most chosen. Right. It's going to be the road that is going to be less traveled, okay? So got to get out of your comfort zone, mm-hmm. okay? If you're sitting in, in, in your life and you're trying to do the right thing according to your own value system and, or, or your own life and what you're trying to accomplish and you're going to church and you don't feel you're getting fed and, and you don't feel like you're getting closer to God, look for that narrow road. Mm-hmm. Look for something that everybody else is not doing and do the opposite. Okay, and it starts right here by picking up the Word of God. That's where your change happens daily. I say it all the time. Okay, most people will pick up their Bible on Sunday, and lately that's not even the case because people take their phones and it's all digital, and and pastors put up the the scriptures on the screen. So you don't even have to take take your Bible to church anymore. Okay, but you used to be able to say that's the only time people pick up their Bible is on Sunday. Okay, during the week. Is it just gathering dust? No, it shouldn't be. I mean, you've got to spend some time in there. That's where the answers are. That's where you're going to get out of your comfort zone as well, too. Yeah. Okay? Got to get out of that narrow road. That's where all the false teachers are. That's where everyone's pointing you to a false heaven, telling you all this false doctrine, all this false gospel, saying this is the way. Mm-hmm. No, the way is the way that Jesus points us to. It's the less traveled road, the one that's difficult to, to travel, the one that requires that you strip down things in your life that the Word of God will impose on you, but they're good things yeah. because you're going to grow in the Lord. Your spirit is going to, you're going to be conformed to Christ. God is going to sanctify your life mm-hmm. and change you, okay? And our reward is not here. We don't want to be partying on the wide road. We want to be on that narrow road because at the other side of that narrow gate, that's where the celebration is going to happen. That's right. That's where we're going to finally, you know, all the sacrifice, all the people that w- that confronted us and all the people that we, you know, that did, didn't, didn't understand the decisions that we made in our life cast us away. That's where we're going to get our reward when we see him. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we finally get to see him in the flesh. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, that's where the reward is. And it's at that narrow gate. Don't get it twisted. I mean, there is definitely joy um, and comfort that obviously comes from that and blessing that comes from, you know, uh, um, 
having a relationship with Christ. Um, but there's also suffering, and I and you know a lot of these uh, a lot of people that teach the word they never talk about the suffering. It's always about the good things, but you will you will endure some suffering. Um, when you were talking before about uh, digging into like uh, always coming back to a biblical point of view, always coming back to the scriptures, I just thought of what Christ was talking about when he um, uh, was talking about the 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 end of of the ages, um, and how he talks about that many false prophets prophets will arise and will deceive many um, because lawlessness is multiplied. Most people will, uh, most people's love will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. And then he goes to ver uh, verse 15 in chapter 24 of Matthew. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel, the prophet standing in the holy place. And then there's these like parentheses, let the reader, reader understand, you know, I don't know if I'm 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 right in this, and maybe you can uh, speak into this. But let the reader understand. I mean, the person who has the scripture maybe will be the one who understands it. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. So it's it's almost like there is also a um, uh, what you would call it a uh, uh, you know like a like a like a, a warning there. Let the reader understand. Take the scripture. You'll understand what's happening if you have the scripture and you understand the scripture. Um, and also the other thing was uh, that in 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 preaching the word and teaching the word and you know you're going to church and you're listening to that on Sunday, um, you know there is supposed to be encouragement, and but sometimes too much encouragement and too much too much of that and like oh you know this this and that and there's no conviction. I believe is not right. Mm -hmm. Only because when you do come to the word of God because we still deal with sin in our flesh, we're always gonna be convicted of something. We're always gonna be like, man, you know, I didn't know that. I need to change direction. I need to recenter myself and, and mm -hmm. continue on that narrow road. Mm -hmm. You're gonna be struggling with things. And I mean, 2 Timothy 3.16 talks about that. All scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be equipped, having been thoroughly equipped, for every good work. It is vitally important that when you are listening to a sermon on Sunday, it is it is preached from God's word. It's not this motivational speech. It's not this feel-good speech. And, and granted, there are passages in scripture that do comfort you and do bring joy and blessing. Yeah. But <clears throat> if there's never any conviction over your sin, we're supposed to be checking that all the time. We don't want to uh, um, get too complacent and start loving the world or loving the things of the world or or bringing on that baggage mm -hmm. and trying to take that baggage into that narrow road. I mean, some of us will be walking on that narrow road and sometimes we may be picking up baggage along the way. We got to drop that mm -hmm. and we got to continue walking through that and letting that stuff go and going through the sanctifi uh, sanctification process and, and enduring it to the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've covered in our podcast episodes in the past what the gospel message is, and that's important to understand. I mean, you've got to be a born-again believer, only being born again, and you come become a believer basically by acknowledging the sin in your life and realizing that you do need a Savior. But when you do make that step of faith and you do accept that Savior, God comes into your life to change you. Right. Okay, and that's done through the Word of God. Okay, and if you've got a church where you're showing up on Sunday and the word of God is not preached, like I said before, don't abandon the church. Approach your leaders yeah. and say, I want to hear more Bible study on a Sunday. You know, really, 
You said it before. You should be hearing the the word of God. You should be seeing Christ come through on a sermon on Sunday. Yeah. The preacher real the pre the preacher really should just disappear and all you hear is what God is saying in his word. I mean, he should be that transparent. Yeah. Uh, that's I be, that's a high standard to set for preachers and most of them don't meet that standard. I know because I've been to many churches and I visit a lot of churches and I've taught at churches where I've tried to help them do this. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of one time when we were approached by a ministry and they wanted us. They knew of us and they knew the kind of people that we were and what we were teaching. And they approached us. It was the pastor, his wife, and the rest of the board. And they basically came to us and said, look, you know, we, we know you did some good helping out these other churches. We'd like to get you on board to see if you can help us out as well. I said, oh, fine. Well, you know, I can tell you right now that in my experience, and this is me talking to them, to the pastor and the board, and my experience is I guarantee you that in your congregation, you've got people who think they're saved and they're not. And they think they know the gospel, but they're not. So the first thing I'm going to recommend is that we get back to basics. We get back to the Word of God. And we teach those basics and make sure that those things are implanted in your people. We don't want people in your congregation to be deceived into thinking that they're saved, and they're not. That's our first responsibility. Do you know what I ever heard? Well, first of all, the meeting broke up, (laughs) and it will get in contact with you. That sounds great. My wife and I never heard from those people again. Wow. Okay, so there's resistance to that type of message. People are afraid to losing congregations and losing their people. Oh, that's so crazy. I recently had a, discu- uh, a discussion with another um, person in a church. I believe um, um, they were one of the leaders in the church. And they were having a hard time because their, their denomination mm-hmm. was getting away from biblical teaching. And it was starting to accept a lot of the things that we see that out there that are being accepted. Okay, they're not biblical, whether it be lifestyles or or the way that they teach and entertain people on Sundays. And this person who was a leader in that church was very bothered by that. And they were looking for a way to kind of break away from that denomination and do their own thing. So they started shopping around for churches, mm. evangelical churches who were selling their churches. They were looking to move into another location and kind of start in on their own path where they can be faithful to the word of God, but they need to, to do it outside their denomination. Right. So they started shopping around for churches and you can't believe the resistance that they ran into. There were some churches that were in the same neighborhood that were selling the building. And when they approached them, hey, we would like to buy your building because we're trying to set up our church here. So, oh no, we don't want the competition. What? A so-called evangelical church. Competition? Absolutely, yeah. It's not about competition. That's the mindset that's what? out there. That's but it, it's an insight into how some of these people view church. It's like this little thing that you grab and you can't let it go. I don't want to send a message into the congregation that's too harsh or I'll lose them. No, no. Okay? Wow. But that's the, that's the mindset and that's the kind of challenge that you have out there where even fellow churches who are supposedly are the same faith teaching the same thing and yeah. when you look into you know you start your own church and and you're looking for someone to give you a break they're not interested because you're too close to our church we don't want to lose our people to you you don't have much faith in what you're teaching if you're thinking you're going to lose right, people right 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 it's okay? like what you mentioned in uh the podcast where we talked about sharing the gospel take the pressure off yourself Mm-hmm. It's not your job to build the church. Christ builds the church. Well, look at John the Baptist. Look how huge his ministry was. What did he do when Christ showed up? Did he get territorial? No. 
He well, stepped aside. I was going to say, didn't um, <laughs> uh, who was it that uh, told them, hey, isn't that, uh, he's like, behold, the, the, the Lamb, Lamb of, of God. God. Yes. And the disciple that was with him ended up just, all right, bye, John. And John and was okay. He was okay with that. Because he must increase and I must decrease. That's not the attitude that's out there. No. So churches are not no. pulling together around the word of God. They're pulling together for other reasons. And that's my point. They're pulling together for their own agendas, for their own reasons, to hold on to their people. And that's never a good approach. No. Look, we'll end the podcast here. And I'll just encourage everyone that if you're struggling, okay, in a church that is not teaching from the Bible, work with those people somehow. I don't know if it's having a conversation with your leadership, getting involved in the board, something that puts you in a role to have some influence to take what time and effort you've invested in that church and try and turn that church and go in the right direction. Yeah. And if that's not possible, then I'm gonna encourage you to look for a church that teaches the word of God. They're out there, okay? An expository preacher who's loyal to the word of God and you know you can find them out there, it's just harder yeah. because that's the narrow road, okay? The wide road is gonna have a lot of churches offering a lot of cool things you know, like teaching you sermons where they drive up in a Ferrari and the whole sermon is about how looking at your life is like looking in a rearview mirror. You don't need that kind of pablum. That's not what you go to church for on Sundays. And that kind of preaching is out there. Yeah. Okay. You need someone who's going to open up the word of God and get out of the way. Okay. And give you the gospel, give you the word of God. Okay. Teach you, encourage you. Okay. And and build your intimacy with your Savior yeah. and encourage you to do that on Sunday. And then you've got to encourage yourself to do it on your own because it can't be just on Sunday. No, You've got to invest in the Word of God daily. That's where the house on the rock is built, daily. You don't build a house just on weekends. You're in there every day putting brick by brick, wood by wood together, and you do it daily, and you invest in it daily, and you do that with the Word of God. Yeah. But it's got to be established on that. Anything else is going to fall apart. You're going to find yourself on that wide road, and you're going to find yourself lost. And you don't want to be there when Jesus declares, I never knew you. That's a scary place to be. And I'll end it with that. I'll give you the last word. Anything uh, you want to add to that? No, that's that's perfect. I 100% I, I agree, uh, agree with you, and that was wonderfully said. Just, guys, put Christ first in your life, and I'll... Uh, someone who told me this when I was going through a, a rough time in my life and uh, I encountered Matthew 5, 4. If you haven't done so already, put God first. When you wake up, put him first, put him first, put him first. And you'll never go wrong with that. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. I'm going to encourage you and I've already kind of baited everybody. Next episode is going to be tremendous. It's going to be on the topic of salvation. Uh, but it's going to be, can a Christian lose his salvation? Mm. So I'm giving you a sneak peek. We typically don't do that. Yeah, we don't. But we got Kurt, who's coming, and and um, his podcast, when we talked about the apologetics, was very popular and very powerful. And um, I look forward to it. Yeah, so that'll same. be our next episode. So until then, folks, we love you. Stay good. Stay love in you. your Bible. Okay? Yes. Don't let this go. Okay? And go out there and share the podcast, share the scriptures, share the gospel the gospel be out there talking god and talking scripture Amen. it'll change your life Amen. okay and we'll see you next time all right take care bye-bye thank you for joining us today we pray that we have been an encouragement to you this episode has been made possible by listeners like you 
please consider partnering with us through your prayers and gifts. Your support enables us to provide sound biblical teaching that helps others open up their understanding of the scriptures across the globe. To support the show financially, click the Donate Now link in the episode notes, or you can visit our podcast website at relentlesslybiblical.org and use a donate link in the podcast player or the Support This Show button that's on our homepage. Thank you for your gracious support. Join us again for our next episode, and remember to always be in God's Word and stay relentlessly biblical. This episode has been a production of Core Truth Media, owned and operated by Core Truth Ministries. This podcast was recorded and engineered at Prevail Studios.